0: It is good to see each of you here in the house of the Lord today. I hope and pray that you've had a wonderful week. It is really good to see Sister Anita and Brother Frank in God's house. He does enable us and gives us strength from day to day. It is such a blessing to see them and all of our visitors with us. It is always good to see each of you. If you will today, uh, let us all turn to Colossians. uh, Colossians chapter Two, if you will, Colossians, or excuse me, chapter one. And we're going to look in verses 12 through 14. And today's message is about being delivered, being delivered. We all need to be delivered from the power of darkness, from Satan himself. He is our greatest enemy that we have. uh, And uh, we have been plunged into sin. Uh, We are born sinners. Our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and we need to be delivered from the power of darkness and here in Colossians chapter 1 we see that God is the one that delivers us from the power of darkness we need to be also delivered from the curse of the law you know and Jesus was sent to deliver us from the curse of the law it's amazing how many things he does deliver us from I believe also that uh, thirdly we'll notice this here in a moment, that He delivers us from all of our sins by Himself. He purged our sins. Uh, we could not get rid of our sins. It took the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Only He can wash us clean. And so He came into this earth. Uh, he gave Himself Himself a sacrifice for sinners like you and I. And so He delivers us from our sins. He also will deliver us from the wrath to come, the Bible teaches us. We're going to notice this this morning, so let us read, if you will, in verse 12. The Bible states, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Speaking to the church, the Colossian church, uh, speaking to us here at Grace Baptist Church, if we are saved, we have been delivered from the power of darkness, from Satan, and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So who did it? It was Almighty God. The Bible teaches of his own will, begat he us by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures in James chapter 1. Notice in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. See, without Him we don't have redemption. Without His precious blood being shed, uh, we can never be forgiven. All of our blood together could be shed, but it's defiled. And we could not be forgiven by shedding our blood. But by His blood being shed, Him being obedient all the way unto death, He was made the perfect sacrifice so that we could be cleansed forever. When we look at how God delivers us, I want us to notice today that, you know, this wasn't the first deliverance that God determined to do. And when we understand that he delivered his only begotten son to be crucified, then we can see why he has delivered us. And so we're going to notice, you know, that it was by his determinate counsel and foreknowledge that he delivered Christ to the cross. Wicked hands crucified him, yes, but it was in God's eternal counsel that that would take place in time. And so 2,023 years ago, God delivered his son up to the cross. And he became a sacrifice for us. I'm glad that God's in the delivering business. I'm glad that he knows how to set us free. When Jesus came to this earth, He told the Apostles upon one occasion, that let it sink down into your ears, that I must suffer all these things. And He said, I must be spit upon. I mean, the thorns that was up on His head, the pain that He endured, the cat of nine tails that literally ripped the, the flesh off of His body. All that pain, you know, he wanted them to know that there was a purpose in it. And he was tasting death for his little children. Justice had to be satisfied. And so Almighty God, he delivered his son up to that cross so that his justice could be satisfied for us. So that we could go free. Let us pray today. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful Lord to hear Your Word. We're so thankful for Your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. We're so thankful for Your only begotten Son giving His life a ransom for many. Lord, without His ransom, Lord, we could never ever have been saved. Without Your love, without You delivering Him to that cross, we could not have any freedom from our sins. But because of Your love, because of Your sacrifice, we can go free. And so, Father, we're so thankful for this mercy that you have bestowed upon us. We pray, Lord, for those that are lost today, that you would be merciful to them and show them the beauty of your only begotten Son, the purpose of Him coming to this world to die for ungodly sinners. Guide us now and lead us, we pray. Help all those that are sick, heal according to your will. Help those that have lost their loved ones in these tornadoes and all these different disasters around the world. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. You know, it's so amazing how that we give thanks to Almighty God for all that he's done, but it's hard to understand, you know, why he would give up his only begotten son. Why would he do such a thing unless there was a wonderful purpose behind it? God does not do anything accidentally, does he? He does everything with design and with purpose. You know, the Bible states in first John chapter four in verse ten herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And so we see that He loves us long before we ever loved Him. There in 1 John chapter 4, it states we love Him because He first loved us. And so we see how much He loves us. And whenever He gave His only begotten Son. I want us to turn, if you will, please, to Luke chapter 18. I want us to look at what Jesus is telling the apostles here. Luke chapter 18 Because this was hid from their eyes. They couldn't understand why he was going to have to suffer all this adversity. And just like many of us today, we look at why is there so much pain in the world. Why do we have to go through the things that we go through? Well, let us look at why Jesus went through these things. In verse 31 of Luke chapter 18, excuse me, the Bible states, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. He's talking about going to the cross. And shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Notice the apostles here in verse 34. And they understood none of these things. They didn't get it. The only way their sins could be taken away was for him to go to that cross. Jesus knew his purpose. And notice the Bible says, And this saying was hid from them. It's hid from a lot of people today. Still yet, they don't understand why? He went to the cross. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. They didn't understand. But God Almighty was sending His only begotten Son to that cross, delivering Him up to be crucified so that sinners could go free. Jesus said to the apostles in John chapter 10 and verse 11, that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life. For the sheep. And so his purpose was to give his life. In John chapter 3 he said in verse 16 that God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son. He gave him. He delivered him up to that horrible cross so that he could taste death for us. I want you to notice that it was not an accident. Let us look in Acts chapter 2 what the Apostle Peter was telling everyone on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 Look at verse 22 and in verse 23 Peter states, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. They had watched Jesus perform many miracles. God did them through him. He'd raised Lazarus from the dead after he'd been there for four days. he fed 5,000, not counting the women and the children. He had healed lepers. He did all these miracles and many more. And Peter is letting all these people know that you were witness of these things. Jesus had been crucified now. He had been spit upon. He had suffered so horribly upon that cross. But now He's raised from that grave. He is alive forevermore. And notice in verse 23, Peter states, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. How did he go to the cross? Who delivered him? It was God, wasn't it? He said, Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding a it. You see, when we understand that God delivered His only begotten Son by His determinate counsel and foreknowledge for us, then we can understand why He delivers us from the power of darkness. Why He delivers us from the curse of the law. Why by His almighty power He can deliver us from all of our sins and from the wrath to come. We're not going to suffer these horrific pains of hell because Christ has suffered for our sins so that we can be free and go to heaven and be with Him forevermore. I want you to look in Romans chapter 4 because the Apostle Paul, he's telling us how that Christ was delivered and the purpose of his deliverance we see who delivered him now we're going to see why he was delivered in verse 25 of Romans chapter 4 speaking to the church at Rome it states who was delivered for our offenses so there was a purpose why he was going to that cross it was for our sins not for any of his own he was perfect And was raised again for our justification. This is why God brought him out of the grave. It was so that it was for our justification, so that we could be made just. God sees his children as just and holy. And so we need to see ourselves as God sees us. Romans chapter 8 tells us: who shall lay anything to the charge of God's death? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. You see, we're justified by what he did. Not by what we do. So we can give him glory. We can give him praise. We can give God the honor. And the baby said, Amen. God is good to us. <laughs> so He delivers us because He delivered His only begotten Son up to that cross to pay our sin debt in full. Without Him, we would be nothing. I think about a, a desperate situation. And if we think about this, we are all in a desperate situation when we are in our sins the demoniac. we all know the story whenever this man, he lived in the tombs. And he was out of his mind. He was possessed with demons. And we know that when Jesus met this man, he put him in his right mind, didn't he? He needed to be delivered from the power of darkness. As I read there in Colossians chapter 1 in verse 13. How that God delivers us from the power of darkness. The demons had power over over the demoniac. The devil has power over our lives before we are saved. Jesus came to set the captive free. We were the ones held captive. We are the ones that need delivered. And Jesus said, I'm the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd goes about seeking his sheep, doesn't he? He goes about hunting, looking. You remember the story in John chapter 4? In verse 4, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. There's the Good Shepherd seeking His sheep. He found the Samaritan woman there in John chapter 4 at the well. We all know the story. How He saved her. And then many more were saved. They believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ by her own testimony. And just as He delivered her from the power of darkness, He delivered the demoniac from the power of darkness. And each of us that have been saved have been delivered from the power of darkness. And we must give Him glory for that because we can not do that ourselves. It's no accident that that we all come in here and and listen to the Word of God. God gathers us together. In John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, "...Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring." Who is it that brings us together? Who is it that brings us to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? It is God Almighty. No man can come unto the Father, the Bible tells us in John chapter 6, except the Father which hath sent Christ draw him. So God draws us. And he saves us. He can do it in a second, or he can take months, he could take years, uh, but he does it in his own time. But he's the one in John chapter 3 and verse 8. He told Nicodemus, He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone, not just some of us, but everyone that is born of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit moves on us at His own appointed time. And nothing is, in, is impossible with the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 110, in verse 3, the Bible says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of His power. You see, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we surrender our lives to our Heavenly Father. We believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ because of Him quickening us, making us alive, delivering us from the power of darkness, from the devil himself. I'm so thankful that He delivered me. From the power of darkness. Without his overwhelming influence, I wouldn't be standing here today. We all have a testimony how that God saves us. And we need to share that testimony with others. How that if he would save a sinner like me, he can save you as well. The Apostle Paul, he had a wonderful testimony, didn't he? Whenever the Lord saved him, he was literally. Persecuting Christians in Acts chapter 9. And the Lord met him that day, the good shepherd. Knocked that little lost sheep off that horse. And there he lay, blinded for three days and three nights. And Jesus said unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Convicted him of his sins, didn't he? Isn't that what the Lord speaks to us? Why are you still sinning against me? Why haven't you surrendered your life to me? Quit fighting against me. Surrender. We've seen that invitational home dog. invitational hymn. We, I surrender all. And that's what we need to do. Saul of Tarsus said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Later, Paul was inspired to write, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He said, I am less than the least of all saints because I persecuted the church. But God had mercy upon him. Just as he has mercy upon us. He was inspired to write in Hebrews chapter 2, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able also to secure them that are tempted. He said, Wherefore, holy brethren, consider Christ Jesus, our faithful high priest. Consider him. Look into Jesus. Look unto the one that can wash away your sins. I mean, it behooved him to be made like unto us. He took upon him flesh. He knows everything that we feel. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. It behooved him to feel all these things that we feel, yet without sin, so he could be a merciful and faithful high priest to us. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 tells us, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Look at the power he has once he saves us. He had this power before he saves us, but look at it how he has it over us personally. He's able to save us to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's able. To be our intercessor, our advocate, forever and ever. I'm thankful that He cares, aren't you? I'm thankful that He is able to deliver us from the power of darkness. That He is ours forevermore. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, in verse 3 and 4, the Bible states, If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world that's with a little G there. That's the devil himself. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in unto them. You see, he quickens us. He makes us alive unto himself. By his power. We can't do that ourselves. That's impossible for the dead to awake themselves, isn't it? We are spiritually dead like the prodigal son. You know, we're walking in the flesh. We love the desires of the flesh. We follow fully after Satan and his ways because of our sinful nature, our depraved nature. And the Lord has to be the one to deliver us. And so He does that very thing. So we can give Him praise and honor for this mighty act that He has performed. Upon us. When Peter was done preaching, the Holy Spirit moved on 3,000 souls there in the book of Acts. And they were saved. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, the Bible tells us. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 48, the Bible tells us, And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. You must believe that Jesus is your Savior. You must obey the gospel call and not reject the Gospel call. Run to Jesus. Come unto Jesus. And you'll find yourself delivered from this enemy called Satan. You'll find that greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world. You'll find that He'll help you through your failures every single day of your life when you depend upon Him. He won't be like your enemy that drags you farther and farther into sin. He'll cause you to hate sin more and more and more as you walk with Him. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 tells us, Being confident of this very thing, that He, that's God which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, He doesn't stop performing that good work in all of His new creatures that He has created. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He gives us a desire to do that which is right, something we didn't have before. In our lost condition, we was under the power of Satan, and you didn't have to make us go out and live in sin, like the prodigal son. He wanted the Father's inheritance, his father's inheritance, and he wanted to waste it with righteous living. That was his desire. And he did just that, didn't he? Until God Almighty delivered him. Got a hold of his circumstances. See, God does that, doesn't he? He goes right to where you are. Just like Jesus with the Samaritan woman. He said, call thy husband. He knew she had had five. And the one that she was with was not her husband. Jesus already knew all that. Just like he knows everything about us. But he got her attention. He got her to thinking about her circumstances. Just with the prodigal son. All of a sudden he lost the inheritance. Who was in control of his inheritance? In reality it was God, wasn't it? Who was in control of his friends that he was making? God just allowed him by his permissive will to go ahead and make all the wrong friends. But they all left him, didn't they? didn't they? He finally got a job but he was feeding the pigs something that a Jew was not supposed to be doing and uh, there he was and he got so hungry so hungry that all of a sudden he came to himself the Bible tells us. I believe that's when he was quickened Brother Jonathan. He realized that in the father's house there was more than enough. And he said, I have sinned against heaven. He sinned against his Father. There's his confession, isn't it? There's his repentance. Repentance is a changed mind which produces an outward act of conduct. That's what true repentance is. It's not a fake profession. So he turned and he went to the Father's house. It was all because God got a hold of him in his circumstances down there. It was no accident that he went broke. No accident that all of his friends left him. And The Bible says, you read in Luke chapter 16, that nobody gave unto him. God can get a hold of your situation in such a way that, that nobody wants anything to do with you. But aren't you thankful that God Almighty sent his son to die for the ungodly? Even when we have utterly failed and lost to everything, God is able to help us. He's going to come up and preach with us. (laughs) And we find that, you know, He delivered the prodigal son. Because of His love and because of His mercy. Because He was one of His little lost sheep. Just like He delivers us. He changes our desires. We're trapped in sin. In the lust of the flesh. He gets us out of that trap. He shows us how beautiful His Son is. Even Jesus Himself said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, Jesus encourages us to come unto Him. He's the only Savior. And God delivered Him up to that cross by His eternal counsel and foreknowledge so that we could be delivered from the power of darkness, from Satan. And secondly, so that we can be delivered from the curse of the law. In the time of Christ, there were 613 laws. And the Pharisees, they were trying to keep them all. And by their traditions, they were making the law of none fat, Jesus said to them. But you see, Jesus, He came to keep the law for us. He came to deliver us from the curse of the law. And I want us to notice this because we'll give God the glory for His delivering power when we see how great He is. Look in Galatians chapter 3 today. Galatians chapter 3. Look in verse 13. The Bible says Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. None of us can be saved by keeping the law by our own righteousness. Paul, he kept telling us in Romans chapter 6 that we're not under the law. We're under grace. In the new covenant, the everlasting covenant of grace, we see that Christ delivered us from the curse of the law. He was made a curse for us. This suffering that... He endeared upon that horrible cross was so that the law could be fulfilled for us. And when we see what He has accomplished for us, when we see that He has fulfilled the law for us, then we stop trying to fulfill it ourselves. We stop trying to cause God to tell us, You're approved now. By your good deeds no we are approved by the obedience of Christ through one man's disobedience we were made sinners so by the obedience of one Romans chapter 5 and verse 19 tells us that we are made righteous isn't that wonderful to know that God almighty has delivered us from the curse of the law that now he sees us as being made righteous because Christ kept the law for us. We couldn't keep it. He knew we couldn't keep it. And so, Jesus himself went to that cross so that we could be free from all these curses. You see, under the Old Testament, if you were caught being mean to your parents, you suffered death. And all these other sins, you know, many sins, you suffered death the penalty of death for breaking the laws. When Moses came with the Ten Commandments, he feared exceedingly. They were already breaking the laws. He got so frustrated himself, he broke the Ten Commandments, didn't he? Literally. And God made another set. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, but it doesn't save any of us, does it? Unless we can keep it. And we all know that if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. So none of us can keep it. So I'm thankful that God delivered his son by his determinate counsel and foreknowledge upon that cross to keep the whole law for us. I want you to look at this in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. It tells this about Jesus in verse 2. It states, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the sin, from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. See, the law was perfect. God's laws are perfect. But it's weak through the flesh because of us. The law isn't weak. We can keep it. Now notice... God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin condemned, meaning judged, sin in the flesh. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in Jesus or in us. It's in us. Jesus fulfilled it for us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I'm glad that Jesus fulfilled the law for me. And now there is no more curse that can come upon me. Aren't you thankful today that that you know when you fall short of the glory of God that, that you don't have to be afraid anymore? That the curse is not going to come upon you? It came upon your Savior? It came upon the One that went to the cross for all of your sins? God is not going to make you pay a penalty that He charged His Son for, is He? That's why Jesus could say, If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free, and free indeed. All of your iniquities, the Lord hath laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 28, the Bible tells us so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So we see that Jesus, he went to that cross to pay the penalty for all of our iniquities at one time so that we could be free. He fulfilled the law for us. That's why God delivers. He summoned to the cross. And that's why God delivers us from the curse of the law. In Isaiah, the Bible tells us that he looked upon his son and he was satisfied. He saw the travail of his soul. He saw the agony, the pain that his only begotten son was going through. And he was satisfied. Satisfied not partially, but 100%. He was satisfied with the agony that his son encountered for the penalty for our sins. And so now we can be satisfied that Jesus paid it all. we are. Without him, we are nothing. We can never be delivered from our iniquities. We can never be delivered from the curse of the law. There's a penalty every time we break. Man, made laws, isn't it? If you run a stop sign and the officer's there beside you, guess what? You could pay a fine. In God's justice, in His holiness, there had to be payment made for your sin. And aren't you thankful that Jesus, in His substitutionary sacrifice, He paid the fine. So now God doesn't exact that same payment upon you again. We can never emphasize this too much because too often we carry guilt around upon ourselves of a payment that's already been paid by Jesus Christ. And we're not giving Him honor, giving Him glory for paying it all in full. So may we praise Him give Him glory for delivering us from the curse of the law. Delivering us from the power of darkness. Lord willing this evening maybe I'll finish up on this if He uh, leads in that direction but if the Lord is speaking to your heart today why don't you surrender your life to Him? Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Have you believed? There's no works of righteousness that you could perform to get God satisfied with you. It was Jesus' works of righteousness. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. Will you believe that he was made sin for you? Let us all stand as Brother Gordon comes and We'll sing a hymn and close out.